Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm glad you've joined me today and I'm looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Uh, last week, of course, was Easter, so uh, uh, I had an Easter message for you last week. In fact, if you remember, I had my bow tie on, so if you missed that, you can go back and, and check that out. Uh, my wife, Diane, joined me for that. And uh, and by the way, she's uh, teaching a series on First John on Wednesday evening. So if you've uh, missed any of those, I'd recommend you to go to the archives and listen to, to what she's been doing. She's been doing an excellent job with that. But of course, we've been uh, talking about the last several sessions before Easter on the future, on the future, you know, and with with uh, the war that's going on in Ukraine and, and other events in the world, you know, people, uh, I think, have been thinking about, you know, what lay ahead for all of us. And so several weeks ago, uh, I started a series on the future. And uh, we talked about the rapture of the church. We talked about the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, and, and for Christians, we talked about heaven. And that's what I did right before Easter. Uh, I spent a whole session on heaven and, and, you know, heaven's an exciting place, a wonderful place. So if you've missed, if you missed that message I preached on heaven or the one on the judgment seat of Christ or the rapture of the church, again, you can go back in our archives and, and catch up on that. But, um, but again, we're, we're looking at what lay ahead for, uh, for us in the future. And of course, for Christians, we have the rapture of the church, the, you know, heaven and, and, uh, but what about those? Now, of course, for folks that, that have never repented of their sins and received Jesus, you know, sad to say, sorry to say that the hell awaits. And it's a place of torment. As, you know, as wonderful as heaven is, that's how bad hell is. And for people who have never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, again, sad to say that, that what, that is what lay in your future. But you know, you can change that in a moment's time by repenting of your sins, receiving Jesus as your savior. You can miss hell, you can make heaven and change your, your eternal destiny, your eternal, your eternal future by making a decision to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but anyway, so Christians, we're looking forward to the rapture of the church and, and going to heaven and, and all of that. Uh, but what about those who are not saved when the rapture takes place and, uh, you know, what's going to happen to them? And so that's what I want to, to begin to talk about today. People who are left behind here on the earth, who, uh, again, who do not know the Lord and the rapture takes place, the Christians are changed and, you know, caught up. And again, if you missed my, my message on the rapture, I want to encourage you to go back in our archives and listen to that. I don't want to go through the whole thing again here today. But, uh, but, uh, of course, Christians will go to heaven at, at the rapture and so forth. But there'll be multitudes of people left here on the earth, those who have never placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and uh, you know, I'm convinced, that, <laughs> I mean, there's no question about it. There, there'll be multitudes of people who thought they were saved. They had a mental experience with the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, uh, you know, perhaps. And they, 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 but they never lived for him. They never really dedicated their lives to, to live for him. They just maybe even, you know, went forward and said a prayer at, after, you know, at the end of a church service. But and, and they thought they were saved, but they never lived for the Lord. There was never a change in their life. And they were never changed by the by the new birth because they never got saved. I, there's going to be multitudes of those people left left behind, sad to say, 
and, and the, the true Christians will be caught up to heaven, but there'll be multitudes of, of people who thought they were saved left behind. There'll be multitudes of just rank heathen sinners that are left behind and, and, you know, others who may be good moral people, but just never, never, you know, turn to the Lord and so forth. So there'll be multitudes of people left here on the earth after the rapture. And so for the next several sessions, I want to look at what happens here on the earth uh, uh, after the rapture takes place. Now, what you will, what will happen here on the earth is there will be, after the rapture, there will be a, a much, you know, we already see wars, we see rumors of wars, much commotion everywhere, and, and, you know, we see the earthquakes in diverse places and other things that, you know, uh, not long ago I preached a message on the signs of the, of the end and so forth, and you can go back and catch that on the archives. And, uh, you know, we're living at the time of the, the end of the age, and, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, the Lord's getting ready to come, come in, in, in the rapture, of course, and all of that. But we see, you know, he, he, the Lord talked about when he was here on the earth in Matthew, the 24th chapter, you could read about it. He talked about wars, rumors of wars, uh, earthquakes, great earthquakes in, in different places and, you know, much commotion and whatnot going on. And we see that certainly. And, and, and so what lay ahead in the future for those who are on the earth? Uh, well, actually, let me just say this. You know, the, yes, the rapture is going to take place and the Christians are going to get caught out. Uh, but I believe we as Christians are going to have to endure some, some rough times before the, the, the rapture of the church takes place. But, but be that as it may, once the Christians are gone, uh, the commotions are going to continue, uh, wars, rumors of wars, things are get, get progressively worse on the earth. Uh, again, Christians will be in heaven, but People left here on the earth. What's going to happen to them? And uh, what lay in their future? Uh, much commotion, wars, rumors of wars, all of that. But eventually uh, uh, a man will arise and he will come on the scene as a peacemaker. And uh, he, he will ultimate, ultimately be known as the Antichrist. And then after that, uh, he'll be known as the beast, as we'll see as we go through the next several weeks of this study. Uh, people have asked me over the years, do I think he is alive on the earth at the present time? And he very well could be. I'm not saying that he is. He very well could be. But at some point, this, this individual, a man, will arise. He'll come on the scene. And he comes on the scene as, as a peacemaker. And, and apparently, uh, he'll be a political figure. And, uh, he'll come on the scene as a peacemaker and, and notice what he's going to do. If you go to, to Daniel, the ninth chapter, he's going to, uh, come on the scene and he'll actually, uh, he'll actually bring peace because you see Israel, he'll bring peace to Israel because Israel, uh, you know, Israel is God's time clock, you know, and you can watch Israel and see how prophetic events develop and so forth and so on. But uh, I believe that as as uh, things are going to, uh, you know, can, can, uh, progressively get get more tumultuous for Israel and and different nations of the world focusing on Israel and coming against Israel and all of that. But at the time that this Antichrist uh, arises, I believe things will be in a in a really dire place. Israel will be in a really dire place. 
And this, this individual is going to arise and he's going to bring peace to Israel. And frankly, I think much of the, the Middle East and, and, and much of the world. And, uh, and, and he's known as the Antichrist. He comes on the scene initially as a, as a peacemaker. Um, if you would look at Daniel, the ninth chapter and the 25th verse, um, because what's going what, what lay out ahead of us now, when I say us, I, I say us, but us Christians, we're going to be in heaven. But I'm talking about people on the earth who missed the rapture. There's going to be a seven year, uh, uh, period of time and it's known as the tribulation period. Uh, it's, it's sometimes called the great tribulation period. It's a seven year period of time. Um, it's, it's, uh, sometimes it's referred to as, uh, the time of Jacob's trouble. Uh, Jacob has to do with, uh, you know, there was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. When the Bible refers to him as Jacob, though, uh, it's, it's talking about, uh, uh, his natural seed or the natural Jews. And, and if you studied, you know, deeply, and, and by the way, I'm not getting, gonna get deeply into, all the events I could talk about here in the next several weeks, we're going to just kind of highlight what lay ahead in the future. But, but when, uh, if, if you, uh, look at, at, at the Bible, uh, uh, during this seven year tribulation period, the reason it's called the time of Jacob's trouble is because God's going to be primarily dealing with, uh, the, the, the Jews. Uh, at that time, the natural born Jews. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's name changed to Israel. And like in the Bible, when, when uh, Israel is, when he's referred to as Israel, a lot of times his descendants, he, his descendants, he's, the, the Lord's talking about the church. Cause you see, we're spirit, when you get born again, you become a spiritual Jew. Read to Romans, I believe the second chapter, it'll tell you that. But, uh, uh, when it talks about Jacob, it's talking about, uh, uh, Jacob's natural descendants. And so the Lord will be dealing with, uh, with the Jews during this tribulation period. But anyway, without getting any further into that, there's going to be a seven year period that's going to be in question here after the rapture of the church. Tumultuous times continue. This uh, much unrest in the world. This man arises known as the Antichrist. Um, and, and, uh, and, and what's going to happen is again, there'll be a seven year period. It's known as a tribulation period, the great tribulation, sometimes it's called, sometimes known as the time of Jacob's trouble. And, uh, uh, and, but let's read about it in Daniel, the ninth chapter, 25th verse, we'll begin. Uh, Daniel, this Old Testament prophet, was given this, and, and, and notice he writes here, he says, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and, and build Jerusalem, now this was after Israel had gone into Babylonian captivity, and he says here that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem. And that command was given, I believe, by Cyrus, you know. And, uh, and then he says, until Messiah the Prince, talking about Jesus here, he says there'll be seven weeks and 62 weeks. Well, if you add the seven and the uh, 62, you get 69 weeks. And in the Bible here, if you, if you read into it and study it, when he talks about a week, he's really talking about, uh, one week was equal to a seven year period. 
Okay, now, without getting in any deeper than that, just take my word for it. That's what it's talking about. But you do some study and find that out for yourself. When he, one week here in, in this is talking about a seven-year period. So he's talking, he says there'll be, uh, again, he says, uh, from the going forth of the, com- of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, after the Babylonian captivity, until Messiah the Prince, until Jesus, the real Messiah, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks, which is a total of 69 weeks. Each week is seven years long, so that's 483 years. He says the street shall be built again in the wall, even in troublesome times. And of course, that happened just like, like Daniel said that it would. It's interesting, and I want to point out here right now, if uh, a person had studied the Old Testament, and if a per- what we know is the Old Testament, if a person had been studying this back in, in the days, you know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and so on and so forth, you could have taken this verse right here. And actually, when I did that series on uh, lessons from the apostles, I believe it was uh, Nathaniel and Philip, if I'm not mistaken, they were searching the scriptures and they knew that it was time for the Messiah to come. But what I'm trying to say here, just from this verse of scripture, you could have done the math on it, got a calendar, done the math, and clocked down from the time that that Jerusalem was was rebuilt and and, and the, the the decree the, the decree went out to rebuild Jerusalem. You could have went down 483 years from that time, and, and you ought to do do it sometime. Get a calendar, clock it, do it, do do the math on it. 483 years right to the time when when Jesus came and died on the cross. And if you remember, uh, Nathaniel and it was I believe Nathaniel. He said, hey, you know, when Jesus showed up, hey, hey, we found the, here, this is the one that, that we found in, in, you know, as we were studying our Bible, it's time for him to come, put in my own words now. It's time for the Messiah to come. Here he is. You could get that right from this verse here. You could tell right down to, to the time when Jesus came the first time. It's important that we know the Bible because we can study the Bible just like Nathaniel did to, to, to get when Jesus, you know, the season that he was going to come in the first time. We can know the season that he's going to come again. And, and, and I've been going over that with you the last several, several sessions, you know, and weeks and whatnot. And we're living, I believe, in, in that season and, and more so now than ever before, you know, and because every generation thinks they're the one that's going to see the coming of the Lord. But I tell you what, we're closer than any of those other generations. But what we really are in the season that the Lord could come. And, uh, so anyway, he talks about these 69 weeks. And then he says, after 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. And he's talking about at the cross, but not for himself. And of course, Jesus didn't die for himself. He died. He wasn't cut off for himself. He was cut off for you and for me. And uh, and the people of the prince who is to come shall... Now, now he shifts here and he starts talking about the Antichrist. And he says, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it will be with a flood. Until the end of the war, uh, uh, desolations are determined. And then he says this. He says, then he, this is talking about the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many, with many, for one week. Now, you know, he he said 70 weeks are determined uh, upon your people. Let's read this again. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, Messiah the Prince, there'll be sixty. Uh, there'll be uh, seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. That's sixty-nine total. 
And then he goes on and he talks about the Messiah and so forth. And, uh, uh, and then he says in verse 27, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. So, so when you add that all up, there's, there, there's 69 weeks from the time the commandment was given to rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus died on the cross. Okay. And then, there was a holding period. It's kind of like in, in football, you know, you got a one hour game, but there's a lot of timeouts. <laughs> and, and you know, as well as I do, a one hour game, game can take two, two and a half, three hours of time because all those timeouts and two minute warnings and all that. Well, it's similar here. 70 weeks, 69 plus one week, there's 70 weeks uh, total, uh, uh, determined upon, uh, uh upon, uh, Israel and so forth. And 69 of those weeks, elapsed from the rebuilding of the of Jerusalem to the time Jesus was cut off and then there was like a timeout called if you will and uh and that one week was put on hold and 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 between the time Jesus was died on the cross rose again to the present time there's been about 2000 years that's a long time out isn't it that's longer than any football game timeout uh, <laughs> but but 2000 years known as the church age there's one week of those 70 weeks yet remaining okay and and they're they're known as Daniel's 70 weeks and we have that 70th week of Daniel yet to go now again we Christians will be in heaven but on the earth again God will be dealing primarily with the Jews there's one week to go seven year a seven year period yet that has to be uh, uh fulfilled and that lay out in the future it's known as Daniel's 70th week also known as the great tribulation uh, are just the tribulation, also known as the time of Jacob's trouble, and that lay out in the future. And notice what's going to kick that off. What's going to kick that off? Now the church will have been raptured. This antichrist shall come on the scene, and then verse twenty-seven: He shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. Now that one week is for seven years. Okay, seven years, and then it says in the middle of the week. That's well, after three and a half years go by, in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. See, what he's going to do is he's going to allow the Jews to continue or begin again their their uh, sacrifices like they had in the Old Testament. And he's going to bring that all about. And then it goes on to say, and on the wing of abomination shall be the one who makes desolate and so on and so forth. So what's going to happen is he's going to come on the scene He's going to be a, 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 a peacemaker. I think I've got a few verses about that here as we go, but he'll be a peacemaker and he's gonna, he won't appear as this devilish antichrist when he first arises. He'll appear as a, 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 a I believe a political figure. He will be a, a smooth talker and so forth. He will, uh, and, and he will confirm a covenant. He'll bring a peace treaty with Israel. And, and bring peace to Israel, bring peace, I believe, to much of the Middle East, and it'll be for one week or a seven-year period of time. And so that is one of the major events that lay out ahead in the future. And again, Christians will be taken to heaven, so it'll be for those left after the rapture. That's what lay ahead. Now, we read from Daniel. Let's go to Revelation, the sixth chapter. Revelation, the sixth chapter, and it gives us a little more on this uh, uh, in symbolic terms, but uh, it's interesting to look at and very important. So let's look at this. Revelation 6, as you're turning there, remember Revelation chapter 1, 
was an introductory chapter. Revelation chapter 2 and 3 had to do with the church age. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, the church is caught up to heaven. The rest of chapter 4 and chapter 5, you have heavenly events going on. We've talked about that in the last session. And then in Revelation uh, 6, after the church is raptured out of, out of the earth, now it's time for the Antichrist to be released. And so uh, in Revelation 6, verse 1, Now I saw when the Lamb, that's Jesus, opened one of the seals. And there's a, a, a book with seven seals. Now look, I want to say this again. I'm not really teaching a formal lesson here on the book of Revelation, okay? I'm just going in and we're taking selected scriptures from the book of Revelation and other places in the Bible. So I'm not going to get in and, in real deep and talk about, uh, you know, the seven seals and the seven trumpets and the seven vials and all. I mean, I did that many weeks ago back, um, I believe it was in the spring of 2020. It's called End Time for Dummies. It's on the archives. If you want more on the seals, the trumpets and this and that and other, you can go and get that in our archives. But anyway, uh, for this uh, series right now, as we're talking about the future, he says, I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals, I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a, with a voice like thunder, come or come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. Now, this is symbolic of the Antichrist. Now, at the end of the book of Revelation, Jesus comes, the, the, the real, the Lord himself, the real Messiah, he comes back on a white horse. Now, you need to learn something about the devil and those who follow him and this Antichrist. What they do is they uh, uh, imitate God. They imitate the real. And that's what this Antichrist is doing. That's why he's riding a white horse. And almost all theologians agree, Bible scholars agree, that this white horse is, this white horse rider is symbolic of the Antichrist. He comes riding on this white horse because he comes as a counterfeit Messiah. And I think it's very clear that the Jews are going to accept him as their Messiah. I think that's without question or doubt. They're going to accept this guy as their Messiah. They're looking for their Messiah. The Jews as a whole have rejected Jesus. They're still looking for their Messiah. Uh, sad to say that they rejected the real one, Jesus, you know. Now at the end of the book of Revelation, or at the end of the tribulation, I should say, not the end of the book of Revelation, but the end of the, end of the tribulation, uh, they will as a whole accept Jesus. But they haven't yet at this time. And when this Antichrist arises, this false Messiah, they're going to accept him as the, as the real one. And he comes riding on this white horse. And it's symbolic. I don't think he's going to come riding on a literal white horse. Now, Jesus is going to come riding on a literal white horse at the, <laughs> at the end of the seven-year tribulation period. We'll see that as we go along. But this guy here, I, this is symbolic here. I believe, you know, he's not going to come riding really on a white horse. This is, John is getting the, this, this symbolically, I believe. He sees a white horse rider who is the Antichrist. And he, in notice verse 2, he said, Behold, and behold, a, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow. Uh, a crown was given to him. He went out conquering and to conquer. Well, now this, you know, this couldn't be Jesus because, first of all, this horse rider, this white horse rider is, is released when one of those seals are open and Jesus is opening the seals. OK, so one argument is, is since Jesus is opening the seals, he he couldn't be this white horse rider. Another thing you could say 
to show that this white horse rider is not the real Messiah, the, re, the you know Jesus, is that Jesus doesn't appear in a white horse, as I said, until the end of the book of Revelation. Uh, this guy has a crown. Jesus has many crowns. Um, this guy's weapon is a bow, an arrow. Jesus' weapon is his word. And this guy is going forth to conquer. Jesus has already conquered. So, I mean, this guy is not Jesus, but he appears as a Messiah. He's a false Messiah, a false Christ. But the Jews as a whole, I believe, are going to accept him as the Messiah. And that much of the world, (laughs) the vast majority of the world, is going to go after this guy and follow him. Sad to say, but true. And, uh, and, 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 you know, something else I just want to reiterate because a lot of times when you talk about the Antichrist, when I talk about the Antichrist or other Bible prophecy teachers talk about the Antichrist, the church gets real nervous, you know, because they think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if, if he comes on the scene, you know, when I'm here and the mark of the beast and 666. And I'm going to talk about that as we go. May not get to it today, but I might. We'll just see. But I just want to reiterate this. The church is not going to be here when the when when the uh, antichrist arises, and and I covered this in a future session, but it's so important I want to go over it again. Go to Second Thessalonians two, Second Thessalonians two verse one, and listen to this. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And that falling away has to do with it's apostasia. I talked about it in a future session just a few weeks ago. I went into great detail on it. And and it's a cooling off of spiritual things, of moving away from the, the true doctrines of the Bible. And aren't my goodness, aren't we living in that right now? And protect, particularly here in the United States. And uh, a falling away comes first, and then the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Who, it's talking about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now we'll see that he's going to do this at the middle of the tribulation. Now, now we hadn't got there yet in this study. We're still right at the beginning of it when he makes a covenant with Israel, you know, for that seven-year period. But at the middle of that period, he's going to turn his back on Israel, and he's going to be no, then be known as the beast, and he's going to uh, he's going to bring an end to the he's going to stand up, he's going to bring an end to those sacrifices, and he's going to stand up in the temple and proclaim that he is God. And we'll say more about that as we go. But but what I'm getting at here is this, listen, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? So this is Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica. And then in verse 6, and now you know what's restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. Now he's going to tell us what's holding the Antichrist back from being revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. And it's very clear to me that he's talking about the Holy Spirit-empowered church. And you see, the Holy Spirit-empowered church right now is what's holding the Antichrist from being released. But once the Holy Spirit-empowered church is raptured or taken out of this earth, now the Holy Spirit's going to stay behind. He's going to, he, well, you know, he's everywhere at once. So he, he, you know, some argue, well, the Holy Spirit's going to leave the earth once the rapture takes place. Well, 
No, because we're going to see this as we go. Many people are going to get saved after the rapture, so the Holy Spirit has to be here because He's the great agent of salvation. You know that as well as I do. He's the one who draws people unto the Lord Jesus Christ. But you see, he, He's going to remain, but He's also going to, he's going to stay and go. <laughs> he's everywhere at once. So He's going to stay here to get people saved after the rapture. Talk about that in a bit. But He's also going to, going to leave with the church and go back to heaven because He's in us. So what's restraining the Antichrist? The Holy Spirit-empowered church is restraining the Antichrist and says that, uh, that He who now restrains will do so until he's taken out of the way. This is talking about the body of Christ taken out of the, out of the, uh, out of the, uh, the earth in the rapture. And then, verse eight, the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. We'll see that, that that happens at the end of the seven year tribulation period. But I just wanted to read that to you to comfort you that you don't need to be afraid if you're Listening to me, you know, before the rapture takes place, you don't have to be afraid that you're going to ever have to face the Antichrist because you're not. The church is going to be raptured out. And then once we're raptured out, then and only then can the Antichrist be released because we as the Holy Spirit empowered church is the only thing that's holding him back from being released and coming on the scene. Now, uh, again, let's move on here. Now, this, uh, this white horse rider that we read about here in Revelation, the sixth chapter, it's interesting. It said he had a bow, but no arrows, which is, which is symbolic of him coming as a, as, as a peacemaker. And, uh, and so on and so forth. And, and look at Daniel 11 verse 21. Daniel 11 verse 21. I alluded to this a moment ago, but it says in the last part of that verse, he shall come in peaceably. So we've already said that, and obtain the kingdom or obtain his authority, his power by flatteries. And that word flatteries, it means, it means a smooth talker. He's going to be a smooth talker. It means slippery. He's going to be slippery, you know, and, and he's, and it means fine promises. He's going to make a fine, a lot of fine promises. Man, he, he, no doubt to me, he's a politician. No doubt. Smooth talker, slippery, you know. And, and make fine promises, but, you know, promises that he will not keep, okay? Because he's going to, as we'll see, make a peace agreement with Israel at the beginning of the tribulation period, but in the middle of that, he's gonna, he's gonna break all of his promises and turn his back on Israel and then persecute them and try to destroy them. And, uh, so, but anyway, I thought I'd just read Daniel 11, 21 to you. He'll come in as a peacemaker and he'll obtain authority by being a smooth talker, slippery, and making a lot of fine promises. Also, there's something else in Daniel 11, verse 37 on the Antichrist that I think is interesting. Let's read this. It says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. This is Daniel 11:37. Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, which there's no question to me, he's going to be a Jew. The Antichrist is going to be, he's going to be a Jew. Otherwise, the Jews wouldn't receive him as, as a Messiah. I mean, I think that's pretty, pretty clear. So he's going to be a Jew. And then it goes on to say, uh, and actually, if I wanted to dig in deeper and go into the book of Daniel, you can almost, you can pretty well pinpoint what area of the world he's going to come out of. But I, I, so you have to go back and to study Alexander the Great and get into the book of Daniel and Alexander the Great's four generals. I, I don't want to get into all that. Just, just, <laughs> you may not want me to get into all that. But anyway, he's going to rise up. 
I believe he's going to be a Jew. There's no question about that. But now notice this. Nor the desire of women. So neither will he regard the God of his fathers. Well, what? look, before I move on here, he'll be a Jew and he's not going. I mean, it will appear as though he's faithful to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, at least for that first three and a half year period. But then at the middle of that tribulation, he's going to turn his back. On, on the Jews, and he's going to stand up in the temple and proclaim that he himself is God, and under the power of the devil, because we'll see this guy, this Antichrist will be, I believe, incarnated by the devil at, at, at the mid, middle of the tribulation. And, uh, and, and so he, he does not regard, uh, the, the true God, the God, uh, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he, he'll appear as though he does, but he doesn't ultimately, and he's, he is a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit, and, uh, but a smooth talker, and he'll deceive. We'll see this guy and the devil, that's what the devil does. He's a deceiver, and this guy is gonna be a deceiver. And anyway, so he, and then it goes on, he, he won't regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women. Now, when you first read that, you think, well, you know, he, he likely could be a homosexual and he very well could be and that could very well be what this means, okay? Uh, there's another uh, uh, rendering of this, uh, the desire of women. <laughs> the desire of women, uh, back in the Old Testament, the desire of women, if you study into it, uh, women, they, you know, the virgin birth was promised, you know, was prophesied that a virgin shall conceive and the, the desire of women back there then would, was to be the one that God would use as the virgin to bring forth the Messiah. And so if that's what this means, then it, 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 it would, it would mean that this Antichrist does not, uh, give any credence to the virgin birth of the, or the Lord Jesus Christ. So he could be homosexual. Uh, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. Wouldn't surprise me uh, if he was, uh, but certainly he doesn't respect the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus, nor will he regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. And we'll see that as we go in this study at the middle of the tribulation. And you know, it's interesting, if you went back to, back to Matthew 24, verse uh, verse 5, this is when Jesus gave that, uh, that what's known as the Olivet Discourse about the end times. And he said this, he said, Jesus answered and said to his disciples, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You know, if you're a real student of the word of God, what you ought to do sometime is go to Jesus's Olivet Discourse, Matthew, the 24th chapter, and lay that on top of the book of Revelation, particularly starting in chapter 6 and on through. And I tell you what, it's fascinating. Jesus just basically gives you the book of Revelation uh, in, in short order right there in his Olivet Discourse. But but in Matthew 24, he says, Take heed that no one deceives you, Matthew 24, verse 4. Uh, so we don't want to be deceived. And um, for many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And that's true. And we've seen many people rise up. Uh, he said many would and many have said that they would, you know, that they are the Christ and many have been deceived. And you know, as well as I do, there have been many cult figures that have arisen and over the many years, the last 2000 years, and many have been deceived by them and so on and so forth. And, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and one of them would be, you know, we think about, uh, 
the cults, the different cults like the Mormons and Joseph Smith and and um, and we think about the Jehovah's Witnesses, all all cults and very very damnable things. And but another damnable thing is uh, is Islam and Muhammad and and many turn to him as as the true God, uh, you know, uh, Allah. But you know, there's a big difference between Allah and the real God of the Bible. So don't be deceived. Now, now we're not against you know. Uh, uh, Muslim people, we love them. Jesus loves them. I'm talking about their religion. It's most damnable. It really is, and it's 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 demonic, and it's it's just not, and and it's so many have been deceived by that, and just like Jesus said, but Allah and Jehovah are two two different. Don't let anybody deceive you to say that they're one and the same because they're not. I serve Jehovah, the God of the Bible, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, but that's not who Allah is. Of the uh, uh, of the Muslims, you see, and and uh, and Muhammad, their their prophet, and so forth, very 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 different from Christianity. You need to be aware of that. But Jesus said many would arise. But having said that, there's going to be many have ar- arisen, and many still are arising, and <laughs> and and uh, saying they're the Christ, and so forth. But there's going to be one coming who's going to be known as the Antichrist that we've talked about here today, and. Uh, and that's what lay in the future for all those who don't know Christ, Jesus, as their Savior. Now then, look at Revelation 6 again. Let's go back there. Look at verse 3. What follows the Antichrist? Once the Antichrist comes on the scene, let's see what follows him. We're talking about the future and what lay out in the future. If you're listening to me and you don't know Jesus, this is all in your future. You've got seven years of tribulation coming up. You've got... You've got the Antichrist, you know, coming up and so forth and, and things just get progressively worse. So, so let's just read on here. So what follows the Antichrist? Revelation 6 verse 3. So the Antichrist came forth on a white horse. Now look, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And that people should kill one another, and there was given to him a great sword. So this red horse is symbolic of war. So yes, we see war now, but it's just gonna just more and more and more and more, and it'll culminate eventually at the Battle of Armageddon, which we'll see as we go. And then in verse five, when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, and these are angelic beings in heaven, and that's where John is when he's getting this 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 vision of the book of Revelation. And this third uh, uh, seal is open. He heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse. And uh, he who sat on it <coughs> had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures say, a quart, a wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not har- harm the oil and the wine. I'm not going to get into explaining about oil and the oil and the wine. But but what do you see? You have the, the Antichrist come on the white horse. Then you got the red horse, you see war. Now this black horse is symbolic of famine because when it's talking about a quart of wheat for a denarius, three quarts of barley for a denarius, talking about scarcity of food and all of that. And then the fourth seal, verse seven, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and hell followed with him. 
and power was given to them over the fourth part, uh, over fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, death, and by the beasts of the earth. My gracious. So you got, these are known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So that's what lay out in the future for those who don't know Christ, Jesus as their savior. You got a white horse, the antichrist, the red horse, war, black horse, famine, and a pale horse, death. I tell you, I don't want to be around here when, when these guys start riding on their horses. Now these are some, these horses are symbolic of the things that are yet to come in the future. I'm glad I know Jesus and I'm going to get raptured out of here before that, that, uh, that takes place. And, uh, some people say, well, you know, I don't believe in the rapture. Well, you know, you just go on and believe whatever you want, but I believe the Bible. And the Bible is cold-bloodedly clear. There's going to be a rapture of the church. And the church is going to be taken out of here before these four horsemen ride. And yeah, it's it's tough here on the earth right now. There's some bad things going on. But I tell you what, once the church is taken out, uh, you know, I heard Catherine Kuhlman say this years ago. And I'm with her. She said, I don't want to be here one five seconds after the rapture of the church takes place. And I agree with her. I don't either because I tell you what. These horsemen start riding. Uh, it's not going to be a savory place to be, I assure you that. But even in the midst of this, hold on here now just a little while. If I don't get to it today, I'll get to it next time. There is some good news for you if you miss the rapture. So uh, hold on, hold on to your helmets. I got some good news that I'm going to weave in here in just a minute from the Bible. May not get to it today, but uh, there's a little little tease for you for next week. Come back. There is some good news. If you miss the rapture, there is there is some good news. Good news. So, so God's a good God. So hang on. And if we don't get to it today, we'll get to it next week. But but it's interesting. You know how I talked about a moment ago laying uh, Matthew 24 on top of the book of Revelation. But we see these horsemen. Look at Matthew 24 verse 4. Look at, or, I'm sorry, Matthew 24 verse 6. Matthew 24 verse 6. Jesus said this in his Olivet Discourse. He said, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and then earthquakes in diverse places. Well, my goodness, he, t- he right here, Jesus, some 2,000 years before what re- we're reading about here in Revelation happens, he gives you, he tells you there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. Well, he's talking about that red horse there. And then he's talking about, a nation rising against nation and so forth and the famines and so I mean he's he just he he's telling you that these horses are coming back there 2000 years ago when he was talking to his disciples on the uh, in that Olivet discourse so I, I mean boy Jesus I mean he's the lord isn't he absolutely and he knows the end from the beginning and and he's he he's the greatest prophet that's there ever been, but he's more than a prophet. He's God in the flesh. My goodness, thank God! And he gave us. He told us what was coming before. He he's the one that gave it to John on the Isle of Patmos, and he talked about it two thousand years before he gave it to John. Right here, he alluded to it in that Olivet discourse. But anyway, so I, just cool when you put the uh, Matthew twenty four on top of Revelation. Uh, uh, it's very interesting. And it all lines up um, because it's coming from the Lord. Amen. He never contradicts himself. But anyway, these four horses will prevail throughout the seven-year period known as the tribulation period, but they'll get worse during the last half of it, as we'll see. Uh, my notes here, I have the first half of the tribulation is bad, but the second half 
is terrible. And it is. And um, anyway, but while all of this is going on, and you need to realize when you do study the book of Revelation, uh, there's... there. It, it it's given to some degree in chronological order, but but most of it really isn't necessarily in chronological order. It's in panoramic. It's in a panoramic vision. In other words, what I mean by that, when you study end time events, and particularly the book of Revelation, uh, John will be looking over here, he'll see this one event going on, and then he'll write about that. Then he looks over here and he sees this other event going on, he write, writes about that. Then he looks over here, he sees this other event going on, he writes about that. He records them in that order. thing you need to realize is we think they happen in chronological order, but they can be happening at the same time. And that's why some people get confused when they read the book of Revelation. They think everything's in chronological order, and, and it isn't. It's in a panoramic view. This is going on, that's going on, that's going on, and they're all happening at the same time, but he's, you know, for, he's got to write them in some order, so he writes them down, but we make a mistake when we think they're in chronological order, and then we, we get confused. As you look at the book of Revelation, there's there's uh, heavenly events going on, there's earthly events going on, and sometimes they're going on at the same time, you understand. And it's interesting while all this is going on on the earth, the Antichrist being released, the four horsemen, you know, the, the, the Antichrist is, is the first horseman, the other three horsemen, while they're riding and, and, and wars, rumors of wars, all that's beginning here on the earth, and, or not beginning, but getting worse here on the earth. Um, uh, while that's all going on, you have another th- thing going on that's really good. And you can see this in Revelation, the seventh chapter, the first four verses. There's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're going to be sent forth and minister the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the earth. Now, now listen, this is, this is during the first half of the tribulation period. I said I had some good news for you. I thought I was going to get to it next time. I'm going to get to it right now. There's some good news here. The, uh, while the Antichrist is being released and all that, like I said, this, there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and God's going to send them out to minister the gospel uh, throughout the earth. There's going to be mass evangelism going on during that first three and a half year period of the tribulation. And, and people are going to be getting saved by the multitudes. And isn't that good? That's so good. I said it's good news. That is good news. So what I'm trying to tell you, if you miss the rapture, you can still get saved. Absolutely. You're just going to have to go through the first three and a half years of that uh, tribulation period. And frankly, you might even get killed during that first three and a half years. You know, you get saved, get killed, go to heaven, beats going to hell, doesn't it? But the point is, uh, people are going to be getting saved after the rapture of the church. God is a good God, and don't ever forget that. There's going to be a lot of people that, you know, the rapture takes place, Christians are gone, for real Christians are gone, and people who frequented churches, you know, and never were really, when I say frequent, and they frequent on Easter and Christmas, go once in a while, you know, lukewarm, lackadaisical, you know, never really made a decision for Christ. They go to church because their wife bugs them to go, or whatever the case, and all of a sudden, they're they're on fire for God. Wife is gone, and all these people they knew that lived for the Lord are gone. And they they get to think, oh my gosh, 
they were they were right. You know that 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 preacher there in Fenton, Terry Shield, he he was right. I should have listened to what he had to say about the the rapture of the church. It was real. All these for real Christians, they're gone. And, and I tell you what, I believe that's going to uh, come up in a lot of people's thoughts and thinking in, in that hour, and uh, and, and they're going to get saved, and uh, and and the Lord will still accept them. Praise God, because He's a good. Good, good God and gracious and merciful. But the point is, you can see in Revelation 7 verses 1 through 4, there's going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists going out and they're going to be uh, uh, preaching Jesus all over the world from, from my study of it as I see it and uh, are a good portion of the world anyway. And, uh, and you know, Matthew 24 verse 14. Back to that Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You see, a lot of people think that that has to take place before the rapture occurs, but I, I don't see it that way. I, I mean, the rapture could take place at any moment, but uh, last time I looked, the gospel hasn't gotten to the entirety of the earth at this point, but, but it will in the church right now, see, God always keeps a, a, a mouthpiece in the earth. And right now, see, in the Old Testament, he had the Old Testament prophets, you know, and much, much more weak. Well, you go all the way back, you know, <laughs> you go all the way back. He had Noah and you come on down, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, and Joseph. And you come all the way down, you get Moses and Joshua and you come down after Joshua, you get the judges and then you, then you got Samuel. He had had Samuel and uh and and then of course he had uh he had David and then and then the, and then all those prophets of the Old Testament all the way down to John the Baptist glory to God and then Jesus himself the Lord himself born of the virgin he was here for three and a half years and then and then you had Peter James John those 12 apostles and Paul and uh, James and Jude and and then after them all those early church fathers and all the way down the last 2,000 years and I could name you know the old the fathers of the early church fathers all the way down you know to people that we're more familiar with like you know Billy Graham and so on and so forth right up to the present hour and the church is his mouthpiece in the earth but when the church is taken out, you see, then he'll have 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And then eventually we'll see they'll be taken out. And then God has still, he'll maintain a mouthpiece in the earth. I'm not going to tell you who it is right now. I'll tell you next week. <laughs> but God always maintains a mouthpiece in the earth. And, um, and, and, and the gospel, you know, is going to eventually get to the entirety of the earth. Before the end of the age come, and the 144,000 Jewish evangelists will pick up right where the church leaves off preaching Jesus, and uh, it was because the church will be raptured, and then they'll have their ministry. The 144,000. Somebody asked me one time, you know, where are those 144,000? Where are they at? Where you know where? I don't know. I don't have the first clue. But you know, uh, God knows where they are. He's got them reserved. I remember Elijah. He said to God, he's having a pity party. He said to the Lord, he said, you know, I alone am left. I'm the only one that hasn't bowed the knee to Baal. And God said to him, I've got 7,000 over here that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. God knows where these guys are and he'll bring them forth when they're, they're supposed to come forth. God's got all that under control. Now, let's see. I've got just enough time to, to, uh, to go on a little bit more. 
Yeah, let's go on here and we'll finish right here for today. So these 144,000 evangelists, Jewish evangelists, uh, they go out, they minister throughout the earth. The Bible says they'll be virgin. They're all virgins. They're single men. And uh, they, they go out throughout the earth ministering. And, and, and they're going to bring multitudes and multitudes, scores of people to the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice here, in Revelation 7, verse 9, this, this right here is a, right at the middle of the tribulation. There's going to be another rapture take place. Excuse me, another rapture take place. Now, you know, people argue about the rapture. Some people say there is no rapture. Well, I believe the Bible teaches that there is. It's very clear. I've already talked about that. But then when you know, people that uh, agree that there's going to be a rapture, then they start arguing, well, is it going to be happen before the, 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 the tribulation starts? Is it going to be at the middle of the tribulation? And some argue it's going to be at the end. So you get people arguing pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. And study your Bible and you'll see <laughs> there's a pre-trib, a rapture, which we've talked about, rapture, that's known as a rapture of the church. And, you know, they're really the people that argue these three different points, they're all right. Because there's a pre-trib rapture where the church is taken out. Then there's a mid-tribulation rapture where all those people who get saved during the first half of the tribulation period are raptured. I'm going to read about that in a moment. And then at the end, we'll see a verse later on in this study where, <laughs> where, Everybody during the last half of the tribulation, they're going to be, uh, they're going to, there's another resurrection going to take place. So, so really you can make argument for pre-trib, mid-trib, and post-trib, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, uh, uh, and, and there's an old joke, you know, somebody said, well, I'm pan-trib. It'll all pan out in the end. Well, I just panned it out for you. <laughs> Pre-trib's right, mid-trib's right, and post-trib's right. They're all three right. You just need to understand them in context. But let's look at this as I close today with this mid-tribulation rapture. Notice this in Revelation 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne of God, is what it's talking about, and before the Lamb, that's Jesus, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. Uh, then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to him, now this, this is Revelation 9, and then Revelation 13 and 14. So let me read, read Revelation 13 again. This is, I get stirred up here. Revelation 7, verse 9 I read. Now Revelation 7, verse 13. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? Verse 14, And I said to him, Sir, you know. And, and so he said to me, now listen to this. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation. That come out of, uh, it's a Greek word, ek, to be taken out of or to be, to, to come out of. No question, these people were raptured, just like the church was raptured. These people were raptured, caught up to the throne of God at the middle of the tribulation. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, great tribulation, tribulation, middle of the tribulation. They got caught up to the throne of God and uh, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let me say a few things. These 
are mid, what are known as the mid-tribulation saints. They got saved during the first half of the tribulation under the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists. And they get saved during the first half of the tribulation. And right at the middle of the tribulation, right before things get really nasty on the earth, uh, God in His great mercy catches them up to His throne so that they don't have to take place in the la- they don't have to be here and take place they don't have to be here and, and, and endure what's taking place during the last half of the tribulation. Isn't God good? Sometimes I call this the second bus load. There's going to be a second bus load going out mid-trib. Oh my goodness, get in on that first bus. Because I tell you what, if you miss the first bus, yeah, you can get in on the second, but you're going to have to go through some, some, some nasty stuff during the first half of the trib, tribulation. But good news, God will get you out mid-trib in this rapture, you know, if you get saved during this time under the ministry of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, he'll get you out before the worst of that tribulation takes place during the last three and a half years. So God is a good, good God. Now, I think it's also worth noting they had palm branches in their hands. If you look at when when I go back, when I talked about the rapture of the church and all of that, and I talked about the judgment seat of Christ and, and, and so forth. Uh, let me just put it as simply as I can. People that, that, that get in on the, what I call the first bus load, go out in the rapture of the church. You know, we, we have, we're, we're going to be rewarded with crowns and we're going to be able to place crowns at the Lord Jesus' feet and worship him with those crowns. The people that miss the rapture looks as though they're not going to, they're not going to get any crowns. Looks to me like, looks like they're not going to have crowns or reward. Looks like all they're going to have is palm branches. But you know what? <laughs> you know what? It beats going to hell. You know, I mean, I, I, I mean it. I mean, I'd rather be in heaven with the crowns. But, but you know, if I can't get the crowns, I, I, you know, I, I'd rather be in heaven with the palm branches than going to hell. I'm kind of joking here, but I mean, it's true. I mean, uh, I mean, I don't want to be here during the tribulation. I don't want to go to hell. So, I mean, being in heaven with the palm branches, even though you don't have the crowns, which is the best deal, but it, but even though all you got is palm branches, it beats going to hell. So, hey, what's the good news is that after the rapture of the church, if you miss the rapture, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are ministering and people are going to be getting saved by the truckloads, by the multitudes. And then at the middle of that tribulation period, uh, the Lord is going to catch those people out and they're going to get to go before the throne of God. They're going to come out of the great tribulation. And how do they do it? The same way everybody has done it through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. They, the Bible says they came out of great tribulation, washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Praise God and it shows and another testimony to the goodness of God. And then, just if you study the book of Revelation, just shortly after this, the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are raptured. You know, there's a lot of raptures in the Bible. The first one I can think of is Enoch. He had a testimony that he pleased God and he was no more for God took him. He was raptured. And then let's see, the next rapture I can think of is, is Elijah. Remember, he was taken up in that whirlwind. And then the next one I can think of is uh, is Jesus out there after he was raised from the dead. He was taken up in, in, in that cloud. Remember that? And the disciples watched him go up. Remember that? And then the church is going to be raptured. You know, we've talked about that. And then you got this mid-tribulation rapture. 
You know, we talked about that. Then you got the rapture of these 144,000. You can see that, by the way, in Revelation 14, verses 1 through 5, where they're caught up to the throne of God. And then there's going to be another rapture. I'm not going to tell you about it right now. We'll get to it next week. Because uh, God maintains a mouthpiece in the earth. I'm going to tell you, after the 144,000 are taken out, God's going to have two other mouthpieces, and we're going to talk about them starting the next session next week. They're known as the two witnesses, and you're going to hear what I, you're going to want to hear what I have to say about these guys because it's something else. And then uh, also next week we'll uh, begin to look at what's going to be going on during the last half of the tribulation, and uh, and say some things about more things about the Antichrist and the false prophet and and. Uh, the Mark of the Beast, 666. We'll get into that and more next Sunday. So, hey, hope you enjoyed this today. And if you're out there and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to invite you to make Him the Lord of your life right now uh, so you can miss out on all this terrible stuff that's going to be going on and you can get in on heaven, miss hell and make heaven you know, and, uh, and and if the rapture takes place in, in our lifetime, you get to go in the rapture. If it doesn't take place in our lifetime and you die, well, your spirit leaves your body, you miss hell and you make heaven. But it hinges on this one thing. We're talking about your future, my future. Our futures hinge on this one thing. What do we do with the Lord Jesus Christ? We're either going to accept him and make heaven or we're going to neglect or reject him and go to hell or you know, go through the tribulation and all that. So, hey, be smart. Be wise. Repent of your sins. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So do that right now, right where you are. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. If you do that with a repentant, believing heart, he'll come in. You'll get saved. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And like I said, he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So, hey, hope you enjoyed this today. Have a great week. And I'll see you next Sunday with more on your future. God bless you. Bye-bye.